Hey guys, before we get started on today's podcast, I want to take a minute and talk to you about a free training I'm conducting in May, May 13th for mom and pop shops, entrepreneurs, and side hustlers, where I will reveal my exact four-step branding and marketing system that I've used with my local clients, and they've had amazing results. Uh, I fell into this accidentally doing this for local people, and I was shocked myself. I uh, found out two weeks ago that one of my clients um, had an 18% growth uh, in 2019. Another one of my clients had a $250,000 investment directly from our marketing strategy. And uh, then another one of my clients had summer profits in November, and they're a largely seasonal uh, business. So uh, the reason I decided to do this is because COVID-19 has changed everything. Where maybe a digital presence was optional, it is no longer optional. I mean, think about it. Even before COVID-19, when people heard about your business, they would immediately Google, which is a verb now, your business, they would read your reviews, and then they would visit your website. So your online presence presence is your potential customer's first impression of you and a major factor in whether to do business with, with you or your competitor. I mean, if you think about it, if they don't see good reviews and if they don't see a website, All they have to do is move their eyes over to the left and see all your competitors ranked right there in Google. So I noticed that during COVID-19, those that had nurtured a strong online presence prior to the pandemic were doing way better than those who hadn't and were scrambling to catch up. So there are four things, just four, that your business needs to do online, and I'm going to show you step by step. So if you've been frustrated and overwhelmed trying to figure out how to launch and maintain your online brand, this is for you. Maybe you don't even have one yet. So number one, you're going to learn how to build a beautiful website that wows uh, and only costs zero to $279 a year. I'm going to show you how to set up Google My Business, the easiest way, and I mean easiest way that actually works of getting Google reviews, and then a 15-minute monthly strategy to improve your ranking. Yes, 15 minutes. That's all it takes. I'm also going to show you how to set up your Facebook page and rock your content without using up all of your time, how to capture email addresses while bringing outrageous value. This training will teach you how to position yourself as the choice instead of a commodity where people only do business with you based on your price. You never want it to be based on your price. It has to be where you're the choice. You don't have to post on all the social media platforms. You don't need to spend an arm and a leg for a fantastic website. And you don't need any technical experience. In fact, I designed this training specifically for non-techies. My first business, still open today, that I started in 1998, was teaching people how to use their computers. So I know how to break down complex ideas into simple steps that work. So please register for this training. You simply cannot be caught unaware ever again by something like a virus. You can't waste another minute losing potential customers to your competitors that already have a strong online brand presence. And you cannot live another day with a monkey on your back telling you what you need to do. Uh, or what you should do, and that is have an online brand. So go to bit.ly forward slash BYB online now and register. Oh, and by the way, that meowing in the background is Joseph. Hey, my name is 
is Sherry Wilson, and I'm here to fill your ears with the best business content I can give you while you work out, commute, or clean your house. Anything to help you work your biz like a boss. Hey guys, uh, it's been a long time, so I want to introduce myself to those of you that have never uh, been in one of our trainings. My name is Sherry Wilson and I'm an introverted entrepreneur and I empower other introverted entrepreneurs and you know extrovert business owners as well in the art of persuasion so that you can get your message across confidently and clearly and prosper your business and even your personal relationships. And I, I want to um, update you guys that I had a lot of uh, transition and shifting going on over the last couple months, plus a lot of travel. And it just forced me to get my act together and start researching my topics and having them ready in a batch situation to where I have content for the next four weeks. And so hopefully I can keep uh, doing that because I hate being incons inconsistent with you guys. Now, uh, before I get into the number one skill that is going to be needed in the next decade, according to the U.S. Labor Department, and this is one that uh, many of us introverts are really good at, uh, I want to tell you a couple jokes, okay? So a math teacher says, if I have five bottles in one hand and six in the other hand, what do I have? The student said, a drinking problem. <laughs> and then, why did Adele cross the road? Answer, to sing hello from the other side. And then, a proud and confident genius makes a bet with an idiot. The genius says, hey idiot. Every question I ask you that you don't know the answer, you have to give me $5. And if you ask me a question I can't answer, uh, and I can't answer yours, I will give you $5,000. The idiot said, okay. So the genius says, how many continents are there in the world? The idiot doesn't know, and he hands over the $5. The idiot says, now me ask, what animal stands with two legs but sleeps with three? The genius tries and searches very hard for the answer, but gives up and hands over the $5,000. The genius said, dang it, I lost. By the way, what's the answer to your question? And the idiot hands over $5. <laughs> I don't know how people come up with these things. Okay, so like I said, I want to talk about the number one skill that the U.S. Labor Department, and it surprises me because when I describe this skill, it may surprise you that they recognize the need for this. And if you can get this, and I would suggest that you take notes, you will rise above your uh, competitors in the marketplace. If you do not own a business, but you're employed, uh, then you will rise above your other uh, co-workers as one who is able to um, communicate and understand what people are wanting. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of people don't take the time to learn or to really focus in on what people are truly saying. And uh, so the number one skill that they say we need is called sense-making. S-E-N-S-E -E, and then making. Now, it's been around since the 1970s. Let me read you the definition of it that I pieced together because I'm going to apply it for business, 
uh, they they apply it sometimes for business in a different way, um, which is basically the gathering of facts and using using a visual method to bring all those uh, elements together as far as facts, questions, and potential solutions. Um, but I'm going to approach it from the aspect of communicating with your clients um, or your customers. So sense making is basically the process by which people give meaning and make sense of their experience. In business, it's the ability to make sense of the unknown by communicating in such a way that you begin to sense or piece together what your client needs from her perspective, not yours. So, so important. I see this mistake all the time and I know I've made it probably a million times myself. So it's you're trying to get a sense of what your client needs from your client's perspective, not yours. Now, if you've done any of my personality training, um, that is key because if you know the different personalities like the back of your hand, you can adjust yourself in your communication based on how they process. You look like alfalfa up there. Um, based on how they process uh, information and how they communicate and their trust currency. So I would say that's the number one thing and I do have some free training. I think it's um, how to, uh, the art of persuasion I believe. It's a three part video series. Get that down first um, and then come to the sense making and really practice it because you'll become a pro at it. So think about it this way. Your client has a problem, you have a solution. In that gap, your job is to connect the problem to your solution um, and how your product or service will solve their problem. So you want to give them knowledge, but you want to make sure that the knowledge you're giving is number one, not distracting them from the process of wanting to buy your product or service. I've seen people talk too much and lose sales. Uh, so you, you don't want to distract them, but you also don't want to overwhelm them with too much information. So it requires that you piece together key things that they're saying, and then you can respond to the knowledge that's needed. A lot of people, especially people that are educators or believe knowledge is really important, which I do, think that a person needs to know everything. That That's how I used to be. Like I in order for them to be informed, they had to know every single thing. But then I realized that's not very effective. They're not gonna remember half of it. They probably won't even remember a third of it. They just need the information that will help them at that moment make a decision. So it's the same thing with business. It's allowing people to pause, breathe, take in the information, and then either ask questions or take action from there. Okay, so the problem is, again, how we build that bridge. So a lot of business owners can use their experience and their expertise to communicate to their client what they think is knowledge uh, that they need. Um, however, if that knowledge that you're trying to communicate so they can have an informed decision does not, and get this, tap into the client's perspective 
then you'll lose that client and you'll rob them of your valuable product or service. So it's all about tapping into their perspective, not yours. You, we always, as business owners, have to step outside of our perspective because we're too close and we need to approach it from our client's perspective. If that means you ask for your client's perspective, if that means you do some studies and experiment and watch your clients use your product or your service and try to get inside their head and what they're thinking and ask them, uh, then do it. Because I find too often what we know actually can prohibit us from clearly communicating that based on what their perspective is. So let me give you an example. Uh, I was chatting with a lady who her and I believe her husband own a gun store and she was telling me that one of her salespeople um, he's very talkative, he's very outgoing, but sometimes he just overwhelms and it's almost like he's following a script. And uh, so this lady had come in and she told this salesperson, uh, she was, you know, kind of uh, reserved and, and a little bit upset. Uh, she said, I need a gun, I need to buy a gun for protection. Well, the owner of the gun store that I was chatting with was watching the interaction because she heard her say, I need a gun for my protection. It was like the salesperson didn't even hear what she was saying and he immediately went into his script. So he had a pre-planned communication script, which scripts can help, but not at the detriment to actually hearing what your client's saying. And so he immediately went into the details of the specific guns that are perfect for women and blah, 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 blah. And so after he got done with his lengthy uh, script and explanation, she said, I don't know, I just need a gun for protection. And he again went into what he had just said. He was following his script, he wasn't listening. So the owner of the gun store went over to the lady and pulled her aside, so I'll, I'll take over, pulled her aside and began to chit chat with her to find out her situation. So what she did is she referred her to some legal avenues for her current situation. She signed her up on how to learn to use a gun properly and then um, promised to sell her a gun or um, sold her one, but she committed to not using it until she learned how. So I'm not sure why the salesman wasn't listening to what she was saying at all, but I think we've all done that. You know, one of the things that we have to be careful with in communication is we're actually forming our responses while the other person is still talking. And the way the brain works is the brain eliminates the irrelevant, what it doesn't understand, and the unnecessary. So if you're already focusing on your script or what you're going to say, uh, then it will filter out a large part of what your client is communicating. So sense making is a skill where whatever your client is telling you, you can piece together their perspective and then give them the information that they need based on that. Um, now, sometimes we communicate with others based on culture as well, and we need to be careful with that. Uh, there is not a one-size-fits-all. There's no business, there's no individual, there's no ethnicity, there's no gender that is one-size-fits-all. We are, all of us are a, a culmination of 
um, our DNA and genetics, as well as our personality, as well as our unique gift sets and talents, as well as the environment we grew up in. So all of these things make our worldview. And some of the things and perspectives we carry are from positive experiences and some are from negative experiences. And so we have to make sure that we understand that for the person we're speaking with, you're not speaking to the person you see in front of you. You're speaking to a person that has had past experiences, possibly within your industry, uh, good or bad. They have present needs and desires and they have future hopes. So all of that creates that person. And so your job is to be alert to any past things that might influence their decision, as well as their present needs and even going beyond the external to the internal, uh, which if we go back to the lady that um, wanted to buy the gun, the gun was the external possible solution to her situation. But the internal problem that needed to be solved was she did not feel safe. And so the lady recognized that and provided her resources to recapture safety. So know that every client, every customer, it doesn't matter what you're selling, you're not just selling a product to an external need, you're actually selling an underlying emotional need, even for those that say they're logical and analytical. I mean, most people buy out of emotion. So that's why it's so important to catch those phrases and words so that you can then get into the perspective. So I have people that they'll call me and say, okay, you know, I, I need help with this or I need help with that. What do you charge? What do you do? I never ever answer that question with necessarily what I do and what I charge. What I always say is there is no one size fits all in business and because I am um, a, a business designed to increase other people's profits, there's no way I can know what they might need. I, I need to know their team and staff dynamics. If they're a solopreneur, I need to know their personality and their um, unique problem. Uh, I uh, need to know um, the personality of everybody involved. I need to be able to look and see where bottlenecks are. I need to be able to troubleshoot. Uh, I need to be able to get goals and, and dreams and I need to get a picture of where they're at now. And so there's never a one size fits all. And so I always will sit down with my client, go over what they're looking for and I use that time to pick up on exactly what they need. And so as I'm listening to them, I'm taking note of that and beginning to come up with some possible solutions for them. And then once we talk about it, I will give them my price. So it's really important to not, I guess you would say, be scripted and boxed. You know, don't uh, think that you have a one size fits all. Uh, there's always gonna be some unique factor that if you take advantage of that, then your client will feel understood and you'll create an experience, which I'll get to in a second, and they'll become a referral engine for you because everybody likes to be individual. One of the things I teach people is use the person's name. Now for introverts, that can be a little bit weird. Uh, I don't know about you, but when I say someone's name, it's almost like it takes it to the next level of, you know, friendship or whatever. And I'm like, I'm not sure if I want to be friends with them. And, you know, so it's just like this real intimate thing to use somebody's name but people love it because you're acknowledging their identity. And then, I don't know about you, but when I like 
say look for a piece of clothing and it says one size fits all. I don't want one size fits all. How can one size fit all? We're all unique body shapes, et cetera, et cetera. So this need to be different and individual is in everybody. So if you tap into your client's individuality and you acknowledge that, it's golden. Okay, so um, let's see here. Ask questions based on your client's world, not yours. That's very, very important. And this can be tough because your brain, my brain, automatically thinks people are like us or that they should be. Socrates discovered this. And so that's where you can use the law of common ground um, to build rapport, et cetera, et cetera, because we think people should be like us if they're not. So your brain is gonna constantly default to try to find similarities to you, but that's dangerous. And so you're gonna have to, yes, you can find common ground, but reshift your thinking to this person as an individual and they're, they're maybe not like me. And then if they are, it'll help your job. But if they're not, you gotta see from their perspective. Okay, um, let's see. Remember this statement, this is really important. You want to understand what success looks like for your client. So you wanna understand what success looks like for your client, not what you think their success should look like, okay? Now, there's seven properties of sense-making. I'm gonna go through these and then we'll be done. If you have any questions or anything, uh, we can answer them. But the first part or aspect of sense-making is identity and identification. So let me read you what this means. This is who people, uh, who people think they are shapes what they do and how they interpret events. So if your client is self-assured and confident, then you're gonna have an easier time with them because uh, you're not dealing with maybe any past wounding or rejection. Um, and so people that are unsure and not comfortable trusting you, it may take a little bit more time to seal the deal and to build that rapport. Uh, the same is true as if you're self-assured and confident. Do you know that if you're not confident, now you can be nervous, but if you're not confident and self-assured with your product or service, your client's brain and heart picks up on that. They have discovered that the emotional aspect of a person is in their heart. I mean, this is scientifically, and it radiates out 10 feet. The brain's magnetic waves, electromagnetic waves, uh, radi uh, go out um, three feet. So your emotional state can influence their thinking. So you wanna make sure that what you're doing, number one, you love, and you're very confident in it because that will come across. So who you are um, shapes what you do and how you interpret events as well. Okay, retrospection. This is the second uh, property and it's looking back and reviewing past events in life affects what people notice. Have you ever like, uh, you just bought a car, you're thinking about buying a car and then you see that car everywhere? your brain automatically focuses in on what you're focused in on and it begins to look for it in life. And uh, it looks for patterns. And so looking back and reviewing past events um, will cause you to notice things you've gone through in the past a lot more. 
This is my cat, by the way. He is insisting on being in my lap. So if events were positive, your client's perspective will be positive, be more flexible, more prone to give you grace if you make mistakes. If events are negative, again, you're dealing with those past events and they're going through their head. And so it can cause problems for you, but retrospection and you reframing their experience in a positive one can help a lot. But again, your past can affect how you do business today without you even realizing it as well. So I recommend retrospection, reframing your past experiences. Okay, the third aspect is an act. It says people enact in the situations they face in, and this is very interesting, in dialogues and narratives. Meaning that as you both dialogue or talk, you're building a narrative that helps your client understand what she thinks so that she can organize her experience and uh, predict change. Okay, so everyone wants to be understood. So what happens is uh, in acting, uh, from which is creating the dialogues and the narrative is a shared or social experience but also an individual so what that means is you are both involved in the process but because you're individuals then what happens is you can have two different perspectives of the same event because again you're dealing with the past the present and the future uh, in both of you and um, so here's what I learned, which was amazing years ago. Memories are fluid. So what that means is memories change over time. One of the things that you can do with your clients is if they've had a past negative experience, especially in the same industry, by understanding them, communicating to them from their perspective and providing solutions, in that dialogue and narrative process, you can actually reframe their negative uh, memories into a new experience and that will rewire their brain. This is incredible. You can take this even to personal relationships where if you feel understood when you're communicating with somebody and, and you know they're understanding you, when you share a negative memory, that feeling of safety and being understood actually rewires your brain and it reframes the memory into that positive experience and it starts healing and it starts uh, taking out the sting of that past experience. It's amazing. The brain is elastic. It's not stone. So anyway, you have the potential to rewire uh, your client's brain in a positive um, encounter with you. Okay, number four is social activity. The experience and narrative created are preserved, retained, and shared, which is why it is so crucial to move from just selling your product and service to creating an experience that is the context of your product or service. In other words, you want to create such an experience that that experience is the setting. Like in a book, it's the setting for your product or service. They have found that if, you, if people like you or you create such a great experience, they will actually do business with you even if you have an inferior product or you cost more. 
It is experience, 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 experience. Customer service is dead. Platinum Touch is where it is at now. So you've got to create this overall experience from the moment they meet you or the moment they walk into your place to how you handle your client and customer to the point where they walk out of the door and your follow-up service. All of that is an opportunity to create that context for your product and service. Now, um, the next thing is number five is ongoing. People are simultaneously shaping and reacting to the environments they face. So it's on the go, it's on the fly. As they project themselves into this environment and observe the consequences, they learn about their identities and the accuracy of their accounts of the world. So if you think that you're always rejected and that no one ever listens to you, then every experience where that's the case you, it will solidify your conclusion. But the fact is, is that you can change that and you can take steps, uh, personal development, uh, reframing how you view uh, networking events and social events, um, even brushing up on your speaking uh, skills. All of those things can make you more confident in your message to where actually maybe the reason people aren't listening to you is because it was hard to understand what you were saying because you need to practice getting that message across clearly and confidently. And then there are times where people are flat out rejecting you and there's nothing you can do about that, okay? So tailor the knowledge that you share. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, as a, uh, um, you know, get the, the consequences from, you know, what's going on in their life. This feedback uh, is a process that individuals will use to deduce our identity from the behavior of others toward them, but they'll also try to influence this behavior. That's why knowing who you are and not allowing other people to tell you is so important. It is so, so important. Now, number six is extract cues. So from the context to help your client, decide what information is relevant and what explanations are acceptable. Giving information or knowledge for your client to make a decision does not mean giving it all to them, okay? Like I discussed earlier in this training. Tailor the knowledge you share by what you sense your client is needing and wanting from her perspective, not yours. Now, look up the definition of cues in the context of sense making, and it's simple, familiar structures that are seeds from which people develop a larger sense of what may be occurring. So people are always picking up cues to figure out what's going on. Let me give you an example. As an introvert, it used to be very hard for me to smile, especially at strangers. So if I know you, we're good friends, hey, how's it going, you know, I'm gonna do the whole, the whole thing. But if I don't know you, or if I'm unsure of myself, or I'm in the store, I would not smile because I'm like, you know, that's weird. Why would I want to smile? Well, anyway, I began to uh, learn that smiling, a genuine smile, is the number one thing that the brain looks for to feel safe. And there's actually three parts to it. You tilt your head, lift your eyebrows, and smile when it's just a natural response. That tilting of the head exposes a carotid artery right here, which is the most vulnerable part on the human body. So the brain looks for those three things, and if it sees them, it's like, oh, this person is safe. But if it does not see those, or if it's a fake smile, the brain will instantly say, that person is not safe, and will put up a wall. 
that's one of the cues people look for is that smile. So there's things like brain hacks that you can do as a uh, business owner, as an introverted entrepreneur, to provide the cues that your client needs so they know they're safe, they can trust you, and then you can um, proceed to help them with your product or service. Then the final one is plausibility over accuracy. This really surprised me. In accounts of events and context, your client will prefer to believe what she thinks is plausible over what is actually accurate. Oh my gosh. So then you're getting into their past, you're getting into their present and their future where they're going to believe what they're going to believe. That's all there is to it. Even if it's not accurate, if it's not what's going on, people are going to believe what they're going to believe. This is crazy. Plausible means having an appearance of truth and what's believable. So this can be scary. And that's why it's so important to under-promise and over-deliver. Because again, if they've had a negative experience with someone in your industry, if you tell them what you're going to give them and then you go above and beyond and over-deliver to them, that will shift what they feel is plausible in a negative aspect to where they'll accurately see who you are as a business person. So I hope you see that for a lot of us introverts, we can be really good at this. I think sometimes being so conscious of how we're coming off and how we're communicating, and do I look like an idiot and this is stupid and why am I here, blah, 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 that can actually cause a lot of chaos and anxiety and hinder this process. Um, but if you are coming at it from the perspective of really wanting to help your client where you disappear and that you your your client becomes your sole focus, your brain will start working with you and you can start grabbing these clues and, and make the sense making um, be the star basically of your, your business. And we don't like to exaggerate. We don't like to be pushy or salesy. And I love sense making. I use it all the time. And it's amazing. My record for closing deals is close to 100%, guys. I think I'm like probably at 90, 95%. And it's because I am always constantly sensing what's going on so I can help them. And, and it's also an aspect of emotional intelligence. And emotional intelligence is the number one predictor of success in business, according to research and life and marriage. I'm just going to add marriage. Okay. Now, I wanna give you one thing that can help you understand that maybe you're believing plausibility over accuracy because sense making needs to be applied to you as well. Um, and let me give you the context. Okay, I'll just tell you a quick story because I, I need to go. I got a 10 o'clock appointment and I've been talking way too long. I had a client that I was hired to help them hire people because too many people hire people for the wrong reasons. And that's one of my favorite things to do. And But when I go through the process of hiring with them, I need them to do their part because there are certain things I just simply cannot do. I need them to do it and then I can do my part. They kept dragging their feet. So after it was over a month, I went ahead and built out what I had done so far and encouraged them to contact me when they were ready. Nothing, crickets. And so then I'm like, oh, it. Did I, you know, offend them by billing out and should I have done that? Blah, blah. So I asked a, a fellow business owner that I really admired and he said, no. He said, you definitely needed to bill out. I mean, you can't wait forever. And I was like, okay. So then 
I'm like, well, I don't want them mad at me. So I think what I'll do is send them this resource and they can do it on their own and blah, blah. Well, some things I've just been so busy, I just kept putting it off. And then I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to send that because this is not my fault. I think we tend to think things are our fault when they're not. I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that. If they want to hire me again, they can hire me again. If they're mad at me, oh well. Sure enough, they contact me and said, hey, we've come to our senses. We definitely need to hire someone. We'd like to resume our work. What was I doing? I was believing what was plausible. Oh, I must have made them mad by billing out. Why did I think that that would be something to make people mad? I don't know. I probably need to explore that. But the, the moral of the story was I was wrong. It was not an accurate perception. So there's something that I need to go back in retrospection and look at because I was misinterpreting clues and uh, or cues and clues. So here is how, now this was a little bit of a different situation, but here is one principle I have followed for over a decade to see if maybe what I'm believing isn't accurate and it's this. If I react to something stronger than the offense committed, it is a huge sign I am dealing with a past issue, not a present issue. So if there's a really strong emotional reaction to something, it more than likely is not what is happening now. So I will pause and I will ask myself, is this a now situation or a past situation? And I will self-control and monitor my reaction in the moment. And then when I get alone, I will examine the situation and nine times out of 10, I mean, you know, I don't want to exaggerate because it'd be like 10 out of 10. But I'm telling you, the majority of the time, it is has nothing to do with what's going on now. Even if the other person's being unreasonable, my too strong reaction is typically something from the past. So if you have a reaction to something that is stronger than the offense committed, um, you need to pause and see if maybe you're needing to go back and look at something that might be affecting you. So, um, let's see, sense making is not only a crucial communication tool, but it's also fun to look for those comments. I call it hide and seek. When I'm dealing with my clients, I'm looking for those hidden things so that I can, um, you know, uh, make their experience tailored to them. And there's a lot of other ways to use sense making in business, but I think this will give you a really good um, start. So, that sums up our training. Um, again, I apologize for not being on here for a while. I love these trainings. I just got overwhelmed. I don't know if you guys ever do that. If you're introverts, you, I'm pretty sure you probably do. But I'm glad to be back. Uh, watch the first part if you missed it, especially because I gave three really good jokes. And I will see you next week. And until then, be your authentic self. Build the business and life you love based on who you are, not who you think other people um, think you should be. All right, have a great week and happy Halloween. I hope today's podcast gave you some actionable wisdom that you can do immediately for your business. I've got a lot more free training on my website at sherryannwilson.com. Sherry with an I and with an E. But before you go, please leave a kind review of this podcast. It's like giving me a hug in podcast world. Work Your Biz Like a Boss is a Mr. Joseph production. What do you think, Joseph?